0: Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie, and I'm here with Susan. Hi, Susan.
1: Hey, Guthrie. How are you today?
0: I'm doing uh, (laughs) pretty well. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Chicago. Um, Nice and sunny. Really? And uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, So today's topic is going to be a little bit of a mix. Um, It's a topic that we, we should, you know, talk about anyways, but especially relevant in today's climate, which is remote user testing.
1: Yeah, you know, that doesn't sound particularly exciting.
0: Well, but if you're into user testing, I mean... Um, actually,
1: it's not remote user testing. You have it wrong.
0: Oh, okay. I have today's topic wrong.
1: Remote user research.
0: Ah, remote user research. Because
1: okay. user testing is just one part, one of, part of it. Part of testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I want to talk about... Mm. I want to talk about doing... All kinds of user research, but doing it when you can't be in person with the people that you're researching.
0: So this is this is a trend that even if COVID had never happened, we probably would have talked about it at some point. Um, it's become really unless you're, you know, maybe you're making like medical devices for doctors in room or, you know, a, a, an in-person experience. Um, to do as much as possible remotely has really become the trend in the industry. And why is that? Is, was
1: that a rhetorical question, or are you asking me?
0: It's yes. It's a rhetorical question I'm throwing to you.
1: Oh, well, you know.
0: There's, it's a I, one. It's a it's it's a two word answer.
1: Sit, oh, now we're doing a guessing it's game. It's cheaper. Cheap. Yes. No. No. Yes. No. I yeah. See, I don't know if I agree with that. I you you don't you don't agree with me. I because I feel I agree like I feel like
0: all of our clients they're always doing remote stuff because they can't afford to do in person stuff.
1: I don't think I think it's a lot more complicated than that.
0: Okay, all right. So then I will I will because uh, I I'm gonna I guess I guess my hill I'm standing on is that it's cheap so everyone wants to do it and then they sort of justify the benefits later.
1: Um, it can be cheap. It might not
0: be cheaper. All right. So let's, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you start from the beginning then.
1: Okay. Well, you know, and it, it is, it is trending. I mean, yeah, regardless of, of COVID and, and everyone, you know, working from home and not getting together and, and so on, it's true that it is trending. Um, however, there, there was a lot of, user research done in person before this. And I think that it'll probably, there'll probably be a lot of it done in person after this. But anyway, we can talk about, you know, what it is and what the challenges are of doing user research remotely, what the advantages, there's actually some advantages of doing user research remotely and and so on. Is that what you, that's what we should, you just want me to dive in, right? Yes. All right, so. You should
0: start with what what is remote user research?
1: Okay, what is remote user research? Remote user research is when you are doing any kind of research on your target audience and you are not in the same room with them. That's what I'm going to say. So, um, Really?
0: (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's an interesting definition.
1: It's a weird definition, I know, but it kind of... Yeah, go ahead.
0: So that does that count like through the two-way mirror? Uh, One, The one-way mirror? Oh.
1: Uh, all right. I have to adjust the definition already, and I just started. I Sorry. Need to, I need to drink some more coffee here. I'm an attorney. If you're, you're, really, you're really... I feel like I'm under cross-examination. <laughs> I need more coffee if you're going to do this. Okay, then I take that back. Okay. You are not... Um, You are not in the same building? (laughs) Can I do that? That seems a weirder definition.
0: I think broader would work better.
1: What's broader than that?
0: Why are you limiting limiting it by the physical space? Why don't you... Just it in terms of the interaction between the people.
1: Because I, because actually I, I, don't know that it does. It is defined by the interaction between people. So let me tell you about what I think are the different kinds of remote user research. And then oh, how,
0: how about this? How about this? What? Because usually, even if you're in the other room, like like with the two-way mirror, like you're observing the person directly. So how about how about the the entire interaction from observation to communication is done remotely
1: okay, you want to define remotely. because uh, that's what I thought we were defining was what does remotely mean
0: uh re- remotely remotely would be like uh, i mean if you if you want to do different building, I suppose that that technically works um. But just like all the communication is done over you know some sort of electronic communication interface. There is no okay. yeah, there's no like I can't hear you from the next room over. I'm not yeah. talking to someone who's in okay. the other room like you know there's no like I couldn't like run in and interrupt anything
1: right. Okay I, I, I can I can work with that. Okay. So there's all kinds of st- but 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 having given that definition, it it's a pretty it's still pretty broad so there's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of user research you can do. The, how did you define it again? It was, the the communication. You, user all.
0: research that's done entirely, um, sort of without any uh, uh, physical interaction. So the entire right. the entire the entire. The entire uh, research is done communication, through in right. communications through, through electronic means. Means,
1: okay. I can go with that. Wow, <laughs> you really do have your lawyer hat on today. So let's can, let's walk through a bunch of examples, and and I actually uh, break it down into the following things. I have like three main buckets. Okay, so I have remote moderated, remote unmoderated. And automated. Okay, so okay, remote um,
0: those definitions.
1: Remote moderated means you are whatever research you're doing, and this could be interviews. It could be what we think of as usability testing. You could be interviewing users. You could be interviewing stakeholders. Right. All of that. You're doing the research. Uh, in real time, synchronously, okay? But you're not physically present. So I might be doing I might be doing an interview with you that I would might, might, maybe I would do it in usually, I would do it in person, but now we're doing it over you know, over the phone or we're doing it in a video chat. Uh, or I'm, I'm conducting a user test the same way. I always conduct a user test. I have tasks I ask you to do and I watch You do those tasks, but what I'm watching is I'm watching for instance again on video chat. You're sharing your screen. I'm watching What you're doing and listening to you talk as you are doing it, right? So it's synchronous and I think that's uh, the easiest you know if if we're going to talk about you know all right we're used to doing our user research by being in the room with people and now we need to transition doing it the way i just described remote moderated i think it's the easiest transition i mean it's it's really and we'll talk about some of the things you have to do differently than you're used to if you're if you're doing it remotely but it's really similar to whatever it was you were doing before assuming you were doing some user research before so remote unmoderated means you're not there to moderate the session. And so that means that it's asynchronous. So it's not happening at the same time. So you're setting everything up ahead of time. You've prepared all of your materials ahead of time. And you are not present when the, the information is being collected. And usually this means you're doing a remote unmoderated user test, which is probably what you were thinking of when you introduced and said, let's talk about remote user testing, right? Um, and we'll talk about all the tools and all the different ways this is done. So that's keep bucket number two. And then bucket number three is what I consider. Well, let me back up to me. Remote unmoderated also includes doing surveys, right? So I prepare all the survey ahead of time. I send it out. The people take the survey. It comes back to me. Uh, Also, besides regular user tests, remote unmoderated would include doing, uh, there are tools that let you do card sorting and tree testing, and that can all be done remote unmoderated. Then there's the automated tools. And this would be like, this is, you're collecting data on people. Uh, there, It's not like you're doing a particular study and you have to set it up. This would be like just collecting quantitative data, heat map, visits, clicks, throughs, um, that kind of thing. Now, I have a question for you, Guthrie. Yes? Which, which bucket would you put A-B testing? Uh, so we have three buckets. Remote, moderated, remote, unmoderated, and automated tools. Remembering that remote, unmoderated means you've got particular materials yeah. for this w- w-
0: test. Is, isn't, it, isn't it just um, automated tools?
1: I don't know. Like, I think so. Although, yeah. It's automated. It's automated, it? yeah. So... Okay. <laughs> I just wondered. I wasn't sure whether to put it in remote unmoderated because, you know, you have to prepare material ahead of time, but it's not like you're preparing a particular user research yeah. study.
0: Well, just, I mean, there are different ways to do A-B testing. This is true. But the, yeah. the the normal way that most people think about it is, well, I'm just going to load, queue up sort of two versions of two versions website code and, 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 and have, and have the software let people kind of decide... Visit. Yeah, you know which one, and try yeah. to try to maximize something. All right.
1: That's where I put it, but I wanted to get your
0: opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's right. All
1: right. So anyway, those are the kind of three buckets. So, um, do you have any comments or questions on that, or you want me to keep rolling? You keep
0: know? going. No, I think I think that makes sense. You know, um, they they you know the automated tools. Automated tools is interesting because. A lot of times, they they don't really feel like user user research, research. yeah. Because because it, it just it's just like it's like, like quantitative analytic data. Yeah. Like I would you it, would you consider yeah. number of time you know uh, like like number of times someone looks at a certain you know uh, click you know, click does a click through of a something, and you have that data. It's like well you know eleven percent of people who get to this page you know click on this click picture. Click on this, yeah. Is that user research?
1: To me, I would, I would, I do consider that part of user research. I mean, I think it's, I think it can be used as user research. Okay. So I think it's part of the toolkit. We, we definitely tend to focus when we are doing user research with clients or teaching them about it or whatever, we focus on qualitative for sure, not quantitative, but but i think you can use that kind of automated quantitative data as part of your user research plan in in a variety of ways you can you can look at the automated data that's coming in the quantitative data and and based on that decide what further research to do or it can be part of your um You know, you might you might have done. You know, sometimes it's the so sometimes that what's going on in the quantitative data makes us want to dig deeper with a particular user research research study. Sometimes it's the opposite way where, based on our qualitative research, we decide, wait a minute, let's go look at what those numbers are because this is what, you know, our small sample of qualitative is telling us, and so we'd like to see what the quantitative data says. So I, I, to me it's part of it. I do think the, the automated tools uh, are, are in from a from a user research perspective they're to me they are limited mainly because oftentimes most of the time you have a very difficult time deriving any why answers out of them yeah, you know, they're telling you what but you don't know why so everyone's clicking on that picture or everyone's you know no one's clicking on that and it's like okay why i don't know so to me it's you know as a user research type person i always want to know the why so that means i'm going to tend towards qualitative but but I, I think it's still useful.
0: I mean, yeah. And as an econ person, of course, I, I, I do like the.
1: You like the quantitative. quantitative. Yeah.
0: But people, you know, a quantitative is it's so easy to do quantitative. Uh,
1: Yawn. I, you, you Yawn. No, it's not. I don't <laughs> think it is. I don't think it is.
0: Then why does everyone do quantitative? I think it's not qualitative? easier
1: to do qualitative.
0: <laughs> but but that's but well hold, hold on though, everyone has quantitative data. Very few people have qualitative data. Your companies, organizations.
1: Um, I think a lot of company, a lot of organizations have both. But
0: have but, you ever met a company that has only qualitative data and not quantitative data?
1: Uh, sure. Don't okay. ask me who it is. But I probably <laughs> so that's, that's know That's what I'm someone. saying. It's like the
0: quantitative is easier because <laughs> everyone I has quantitative data.
1: Well, it's easier to some people. It's easier to some people. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. Challenges. You want to know the challenges?
0: Yeah.
1: So. You know when you're doing when you're doing. What I might you might consider, you know, typical qualitative research, right? You're doing an interview You're doing a user test something like that It there's this whole idea of you know putting people at ease and building rapport before you start I mean you don't need to become their best friend, but often these situations a little right you someone's been recruited or it might be someone you know maybe it's a stakeholder or maybe it's an internal user group and they kind of know what you're doing Um, whether they know you or know what you're doing or whether you're a total stranger either way it's a little uncomfortable for everyone now maybe this is me as an introvert talking (laughs) maybe other people don't have a hard time with this but you know, someone's come in and you got to start the session off and you want to try and put them at ease enough that That they're not so uncomfortable that you can't get good data, right? So that so there's this whole little thing at the beginning of building rapport saying hello, welcoming them, thanking them. That is uh, That can be harder to do If you are not in person face to face you know, we have a lot of social norms, uh, social behavior, what's expected when we are meet someone for the first time in person. And generally, you know, unless it's an unusual situation, most people are relatively friendly and, you know, smile and all of that. So we're just used to that. And of course, if you're on video chat, you have some of that, right? If they can see your face. And so on but it's not the same and um, it's also true that in a significant number of times where you're doing for instance a remote moderated interview or a remote moderated user test you might be on video but they might not be it's actually really common to in fact I would say most of the remote moderated interviews and user tests I've done Uh, the participant did not have a camera on and this is for a variety of reasons. Um, A lot of people uh, I mean these days you know webcams are becoming really common because of COVID but not everybody has one and pre-COVID even if and even now it if you have one you may not want to turn it on and if I if I don't have to right I mean if I've been recruited to do an interview with you about your product uh, I might not want that camera on and if I'm required to have the camera on to do the interview I might not agree to sign up so uh, people don't like turning the camera on and being, you know when it's it's a stranger so you may lose that kind of, you know, being able to see them, and then it's harder to build rapport. So that's one thing. Another thing is you may not be able to control the environment. Uh, so, and and that's a, I mean that in a whole bunch of ways. So, um, not only control, control the environment. Well, yeah, control the environment is what I mean here. Like, um, uh, they might be in a noisy place. Uh, they might be interrupted. They might, um, uh, you know, they, they, they might have, you can't control their equipment. So their microphone is bad and you can barely hear them. Um, they're, you know, all kinds of things. If you had brought them into your office for the session, you would have a lot more control over what's going on. And you have much less and that may make it more difficult. Uh, you may require them. They may need to download a prototype or have access to a prototype or Uh, on their phone or their desktop or their laptop or their tablet and Maybe that doesn't work. It doesn't run as expected Um, You know, they don't have the right browser uh, Or whatever there's all kinds of um, That kind of glitches that can happen and you're not there to help them fix it, right? I mean, you might be trying to help them remotely, but that may make it difficult. Uh, we talked before about not having video and the harder to build rapport, but it also means you, you can't see their. If, if the video isn't working or if it's at a weird angle, you may not be able to see their facial expressions, which gives us a lot of information. Uh, you may not be able to collect info on context of use, right? So as you mentioned, you know, you, if it's a product that's being used in a medical clinic, well. Maybe you're not in the medical clinic now. So any con- you know, if, you, if it's important to get context, you may not be able to do that. Um, let's hmm. see what else that we have. And uh, you know, they may have a bad internet connection. Uh, you may only be able to collect data from, you know, the, who you're collecting data from may not be as representative because of this and that's always an issue you know are you are you talking to representative people but you know there I I live in rural Wisconsin right and there's there's still a significant number of people here who don't have high-speed internet right Uh, or um, someone was telling me yesterday they were doing user research and uh, the person they were interviewing uh, had to cancel because it was raining and their internet doesn't work when it's raining (laughs) we have we have this problem up here it's actually (laughs) uh, i'm serious it's a uh, there's there's weather related high-speed internet issues around here um there are people who don't even have they they not only can they not get internet they, they don't have reliable uh, mobile and if it's very wet their landline goes out. I mean, they're just, you'd think in the year 2020 this wouldn't happen, but it does. Um, also, because of all these possible problems, uh, you may not get through as much of the test or the interview questions as you thought you would right right uh, so that's another thing is you you may not get through as much now if you're doing um, uh, a lot of what we've been talking about you know would apply either mainly to the remote moderated and maybe to the remote unmoderated if we turn to the challenges of the remote unmoderated and um, yeah, you're, you've prepared things ahead of time and now they're going through it whether that's a card sort they're doing with a card sorting tool or a user test they're doing with an unmoderated user testing tool or a survey they're answering and so on um, you're not there to answer their questions or to help guide them if they interpret something incorrectly and they've gone off on some weird tangent and you know you can't bring them back uh, you can't ask follow-up questions, right? What do you mean by that? And so that's definitely, you know, is can impact the, the data you get. So those are some of the challenges I've got on my challenge list. <laughs> so it sounds really bad, and we should just end the episode now and say don't do it?
0: No, of course not. <laughs> do you have
1: I'll any, tell you why.
0: I'll why. tell you why. Tell
1: me why, Guthrie.
0: Of all the benefits.
1: Are there benefits, Guthrie?
0: There's so many benefits.
1: Do you have any more challenges you want to add?
0: Oh, um I think the people who do the research are not as good remotely. Did you did you talk about that? What do you mean? I think that people harder... who do
1: remote research are are bad researchers?
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think people are better in person they're better in a room they're better at communicating what they usually I'm sure you'll you'll maybe get to this but um I feel like I feel like there's more time for confusion um more like I don't know I feel like they develop a better rapport with the people make the people if, if you're in person you care more maybe I'm wrong Mm-hmm. um but I I just think that in in my very limited experience seeing user researchers do remote work yeah it just kind of feels like oh yeah the remote work's fun but if they get to do like an in-person one it's like a big deal
1: I see what you're saying yeah and
0: like that's like oh boy we're doing we're doing in persons today Whoa. now
1: there's one thing I do want to say because uh, we're shifting into the advantages and I have had the experience, um, there was one user research study I was working on uh, that we did um, for a variety of reasons. We did some of it in person and some of it remotely, and it just right. had to do with you know where the participants were located and how much of the you know budget we were going to spend traveling and so, and so on. And uh, this was um, what I would call exploratory user research exploratory interviews where we were asking you know we were exploring how people felt about this and what was the process for doing this and you know it wasn't a user test um, it was a kind of an open-ended interview and one of the things I experienced that surprised me at the time and then when I thought about it it was like oh that makes sense but at the time it surprised me which was people opened up a lot more when they were for the remote interviews rather than mm. in-person interviews mm. which I was not what I was expecting or I hadn't even thought about it but I found that when we were because we were doing these remotely we did not have video uh, on the camera on the person I don't believe we had video camera on us either so I think we were we definitely had screen share because there were times when we wanted them to to go to the To the website of the brand we were discussing Um, but I felt like uh, and it was interesting because I you know at the beginning a lot of them were quite guarded and weren't sure where it was going Uh, and then people would loosen up and open up and then they'd really start talking this had to do with um, the experience of shopping uh, in a particular you know for it was for clothing and and apparel uh, apparel, clothing, shoes, that kind of thing. And, but we were trying to dig into their perceptions of the brand and what they, you know, we were asking questions like, you know, what, what makes you feel like a company appreciates you? And what, you know, what, uh, you know, do you like shopping online? And they were, you know, it was a kind of personal experience questions. And the the ones that were remote got just got into all kinds of emotional things about how you know i mean just remember people talk it's one you know people talking about things like you know i i since my daughter's gone into her teen years you know we never do anything fun together anymore but but shopping online together that's something we can do and I can get her to come sit next to me and we have fun. And this one was like almost in tears because this meant so much to her. And I would get, I'd have many more of those conversations with the remote people than the in-person people.
0: Hmm. And okay, I think so, it was because, so you so you know you, they, think you weren't looking better. at them.
1: They didn't feel as vulnerable. They felt like they could start to open up. Mm. Anyway, that was my experience. Maybe it was okay. just one anecdote. I don't know. All right. So it's possible advantage. I think. Sure. Okay. So other advantages. Well, um, so that Well, yeah, Hold on, ahead.
0: but yeah. I, that doesn't necessarily negate what I said. I I said that the researchers. Kind of bring their A game yeah. in person. Yeah. Yeah. But there are so many advantages. The, the but but it, it might be better for those who are the, for the users for the participants for the participants. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. You I, know, I maybe I'm understand. wrong. Yeah. You
1: know. I understand what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, other advantages. Yeah, you mentioned at at the top about money. Right, so yeah. yes, it can be cheaper, and the main reason it would be less expensive would be um, you don't have to go f- flying around everywhere, right to to do these. You don't have to uh, rent facilities, right? You right. don't have to well, this is
0: why this is why it's cheaper, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it definitely can be cheaper, but the the issue, although m- also might be, you you've got to sometimes it might be harder to recruit people, might be, and so you might have to pay more for the people you're recruiting. Or I have some I have some clients who normally would. Like recruit from their customers you know or recruit from their employees if those if those are the users and that's tougher now and they're they're deciding for I was talking yesterday to a client who said well we may not be able to get our the people we usually get we may have to you know pay a panel Mm. and so that's a cost that they don't usually have and you may have extra uh cost for tools so it's like okay we need to you know buy a tool a remote tool we need you know to buy usertesting.com or userlyx or user zoom or right and Um, those aren't insignificant costs they're not bad but they're not it's not like they're zero and if I normally don't have to do that right I just I have my employees I pay them anyway Uh, now on top of that I gotta you know pay for the tool so uh, I think it still ends up being cheaper but I think it's maybe not not as much of a difference as you might think
0: right Well, I mean, but with all the new tech and the new tools, is that really going to be true moving forward? One of the reasons that I think we've seen so many more, uh, I I guess the proliferation of, of remote user research has been that I think that it's become, I mean, what did remote user research look like in like the 90s?
1: Well, you know, I wasn't born yet, so Right. <laughs> okay, I was born. Um I am trying to remember what remote <laughs> I'm just saying, but like there's <laughs> the so many now the, the
0: tools. Yeah we did and around we,
1: we did, bandwidth. We could do phone interviews. We were doing phone interviews. I'm oh. trying to remember if we were doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, I did, definitely that's true.
0: Now and and there are even so so in five years. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what's gonna that's
1: a great question. What's gonna happen in five years with remote user research and remote user research tools and think, I, think
0: of all the new cool tools and of that's gonna be available to people. The automation of things.
1: Maybe. I don't know it's a really really good question it's a really good question you know the so um I where did I uh, you know there's one (laughs) why didn't I talk about this before I want to tell you one main problem we were talking about advantages let me finish advantages and then go back to a big problem that I forgot to mention Um, so it it's it can be easier to get people and schedule people. Um, it can be, you know, you're in a city and, like, you, you know, right, you're in Chicago, right? So if you, if someone's trying to recruit you to be a participant in a study and they tell you you've got to drive out to Schomburg to the facility, right? Yeah. You know, how likely are you to do that? versus well you can stay at home we'll just do it over video chat right you don't want to drive
0: out to Schomburg. no I mean people people don't even want to go out to get their groceries
1: well I, yeah I'm talking even not even COVID
0: right so like why would I want to like drive to drive out to Schaumburg to sit a room to help you out It just right. like, really
1: you're gonna have to pay me more money right
0: like come on
1: yeah so it's it, it's often easier to to schedule people, and it's easier. I mean, besides money, if your your team traveling around, it's easier just to schedule your team as well. But you know, one thing I forgot to mention. Here's an interesting problem. So I want to talk for. I guess I forgot to mention this because I was going to talk about it when I got to tools, which is I'm rolling into. Um, so you know, some of the some of the user. Let's talk about user re, remote unmoderated user testing tools, like uh, UserTesting.com, and you know we've so there's several of the user testing tool companies that we have worked with that we've partnered with and so on. Uh, and it, um, am I allowed to to just list their names, the ones that are kind of partners and friends and stuff? Sure. Okay. So we do a lot of work with UserTesting.com. Really, really like those guys. They're they're great. We've done some work with UserZoom. Really like those guys. They're great. And we've done a little bit of work. You haven't, but I have with UserLytics, which is another one. And they're they're wonderful too. So those are three uh, uh, particular remote, unmoderated user testing tools. Uh, also, I've done work, I mean I've used a lot of other tools. Um, TechSmith, which does Moray, um, has Moray, which is software for user testing. Uh, also, um, Optimal Workshop, which has has great tools for doing card sorts and tree tests and so on. There are uh m- Many more companies out there these days. There used to be like one or two, and now there's like a lot. And they're all kind of similar and all kind of different in terms of the features and the capabilities and you know, what their strengths are and so on. Um, for the remote unmoderated tools, if anybody listening is not pr- really familiar with those, basically, For user testing, what you do is you set up your uh, scenarios and task questions that you want to ask, and uh, very easy to set them up. You uh, can and and you know you have your either URL or you can send them to a prototype or it can be on a phone, Um, and uh, the the participant. is using you know the special software that then records uh at least their screen and their voice. Some of the tools have the option that you can also record from you know a camera a webcam remotely on moderated. Um, some of them don't. Uh, and so what happens is the participant uh, is looking at the instructions and they're looking at the prototype or the website or the app and they're doing the test you've asked them to do and they're talking out loud and the whole thing is recorded and typically it's gonna run about 15 or 20 minutes that's about as long as you can really do remote unmoderated which is you know, usually if you if you're in person uh, or even at least remote moderated you could probably go 45 minutes maybe an hour but if it's unmoderated, the best practice is to do like 15-20 minutes. And then this you you get the videos, and then you watch the videos. And that's that's your test. And there's, all you know, two different tools have different things, like you can uh, include a survey questions, and they'll give you that data. You can uh, tag the videos at various points and do highlight videos, so you can... You know, pull uh, from all ten participants. Pull out the video where they were doing task three, right? Right. Uh, you can. Um, uh, some of the tools you can get a uh, written transcript of the audio, which can be really helpful. So and I'm sure
0: once, like, with more AI, it like, we'll be able to do more. Yeah, you take, you take, topics. you take a Google. It's not. Open source yet, but assume there's like the, the Google API that lets you to do real-time, accurate, yes. truly accurate transcription.
1: Yes. Yes. No, that's happening already. <coughs> so, the and like I said, the different tools do different things. Now, here's the interesting challenge. Some of the tools include, as an option, their panel of participants. So uh, many of the tools do this where you pay a fee um uh usually it's a, it's a little less expensive than if you hired a recruiting firm to recruit people but you pay a fee uh for every person that runs the test and the there's a panel of people um you know all over the world and you can specify all kinds of things uh we we had a client recently that um, Uh, wanted to specify uh, electrical contractors and I didn't think they were gonna get be able to get people from the you know stock panel and they were so all kinds of things that you can you know different different ways to screen and then you you know you these people on the panel they have been trained in how to do these tests and how to talk out loud so that when they're using your product they're talking out loud and you can hear what they're thinking and why they clicked on that and so on the problem you have if you are running this test sometimes you don't want to use a panel for a variety of reasons you know I want to test uh, the students you know it from my college right Uh, this is software that has to do with signing up for classes I don't want to send it out to a panel around the world I want my students in my community well here's what happens when you are using participants that are not you know used to doing this they don't say anything yeah. You see, I went through this recently with a, with a client who, it wasn't students, they were, they wanted people who do grocery shopping uh, in a particular geographic area, and so they didn't use a panel, they actually, you know, did their own recruit, and it sent, sent the, it was an unmoderated test, and they set it up, and they, you know, got people who were willing to participate. I think they gave them a gift card or something, and and it was video after video after video of people. You could see them. You you could see. I mean, you could see their screen, and they were clicking and they were doing the task and they did not say a single word. So you had no idea what they were thinking or anything, and it was really not useful. You. You would have gotten the same data just from analyzing click-through data, (laughs) you know, it was like hardly anything useful out of that. And that's, that is, and, and in this particular test that I was watching the videos for, it said at the beginning of every task, make sure, you know, you talk out loud about what you're thinking as you do the task. And no one did. So That I think is a real challenge. That's a, that's a, I forgot to mention that in the challenge. Um, Which I think is why sometimes people just go ahead and use the panel, right? Because the panel knows what to do. But you know, the panel that people, even if you do the right screening and so on, are they really totally representative? you know i think that's right. that's tricky so that i think is a is a definitely a challenge mm. so we talked about tools right we talked about uh optimal workshop and other kinds of there's other i mean user zoom does card sorting there's other ways to do card sorting uh, we talked about unmoderated user testing tools um and then of course there's all that if you're doing you know you don't need a a user testing tool if you're doing, like, interviews. You've got, you know, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and Cisco, and, right, I mean, there's all, all the video chat uh, software works well. Right. Um, then you have all the tools for heat maps and click-throughs and A-B testing. And then we haven't mentioned, I have on my list here, I'm looking at um, surveys. So we haven't mentioned surveys because, you know, what I think
0: about surveys. <laughs> you love surveys. I know surveys, surveys are definitely your f- most favorite thing that you do.
1: No, they're not. Although I have to say, I really enjoy critiquing <laughs> survey questions. I was I was talking to someone the other day, and I mentioned the fact that you know how you know well. You probably do. You ever answer the phone and someone wants to. St- ask you you know they're doing a survey and you go through
0: uh well so hold on a survey or are they doing um like uh like a poll like like have you heard of the illinois district attorney's race what are your thoughts you know like doing like like the like a survey the survey yeah but like a political, like statistically no, even, significant. Yeah,
1: no. Well, yes and no. Or even just a survey. Not that's not political. I I figured you probably don't do those on the phone, because you probably. I don't. always answer. You do. You answer your phone. I I'm didn't. such a weirdo. Oh, I. Oh, I answer. love
0: doing it. Oh, that, it's my favorite. Look, you have to remember, some of us don't live in a swing state.
1: Oh yeah, I live in a swing state. I get
0: no calls. Oh, I get oh. no so, like. You're probably getting like you have a landline in Yes, Wisconsin. I have a Wisconsin.
1: landline in a swing state.
0: It is it must be And
1: nuts. it when it gets close to any election whether it's primary <laughs> or local or yeah, and, oh it'll be really bad when uh, yeah, I've been in some of these polls, the Marquette poll and the whatever poll, they cuz now now normally I don't answer the landline I don't even know why we have a landline. line, and I don't usually answer it. But every now and then, especially as it gets close to an election and, and the phone is ringing off the hook, I now I think it's kind of fun, you know, I, if I'm in a fun mood, I'll answer it. But the thing is, you do not want me on the phone, I, I feel bad, I feel bad for these people because some of these surveys that they're asking, whether it's political or not political, because sometimes it has to do with products um you know they're not that well designed the questions and the answer choices some of them are better designed than others and i do this for a living (laughs) so so you get me on the phone and you ask me a question that i think is poorly designed and i'm you know and so then the poor person on the phone right i mean they didn't design it right they're getting paid
0: you know. They read the questions. So I know they're reading the questions. Uh, they're absolutely
1: so, reading the questions. And so they'll read the question and they'll read the answers. And then I'll say, well, yeah, I don't think that that question makes sense. Because, and I'll go, <laughs> oh,
0: no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, so what I do is I try to, I always try to, like, make them laugh.
1: Oh, my God. Because you I know
0: I know they have to ans- ask the question. How do you
1: make them laugh?
0: I always make them laugh.
1: How? Um, I don't think there's the people I, I'm on the phone with. I don't think there's anything I could say that would make them laugh.
0: They're always laughing.
1: They never laugh with me. So I'll, I'll say, well, you know, I don't know how to answer that question because the way you've worded the question, it's not clear to me whether you are asking and that, and I'll do my spiel. And then there's like total silence Oh no! for like five seconds. And then they just read the question again.
0: I, I always think i think i think it's like um i think it's for me it's sort of like i talk to them about like they' are just like out on a one to seven scale <laughs> and uh and I, and i'll be like well they get like a four out of five and it'll be like and they get a zero and and then they but i don't say it angrily like it's like a joke Oh yeah, know. I always get the, I always get them I, I, I get
1: it. The, I get they them. love me. I get the very serious people. But you know. anyone
0: on the phone I, loves me. I always get told by customer service people that I'm like the 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 best person they talk to all day.
1: Well, you are nice to customer service people, unlike
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I always get the best deals. They, like doors open up for me all the time. You just got to know the game oh. and know that they're playing the game. And, like, you know, they want to help you, but they can only help you with the game by playing the game. So you play the game, they'll play the I game. Think with you. I think I may
1: right? need to take some lessons. I have tried, I have tried from you, I have tried over time to use some of, you know, to be nicer. And I have. I ask, sometimes I've been really not nice. And uh, sometimes. I have to say, sometimes, well, no, I'm going to say mean never works, but uh, sometimes I am extremely persistent, as you know some of my customer service stories, where, um, you know, like the time. Ta- well, now hold on, hold yeah. on.
0: I think I think that times may have changed. There might have been a time. We well, yeah, Now you mold- can't get wholesome- hold of anyone. Yeah, well, there might have been a more wholesome time when customer service was in the building, right? It was, it was, you know, Betty and customer service or Sam and customer service down the hall from a manager from a something, and now like customer service, like you're in a phone center somewhere. All right, I have a question. And they probably, you know, they they don't they don't have any authority. They can't talk to anyone. There's no. They can't. They can't send you to a they different can't extension. Send you, they,
1: I've, I, they can't send you up the line anymore, which they yeah, used no, to. They, it used to be when, if you were being difficult or anything, they would say, let me get a supervisor on the line, right?
0: Well, but that makes sense. Like, when we're just working day to day and someone has a tough question, you know, it's like, hey, that's kind of above my pay grade. Let me talk to talk to my manager because they're, they're the ones who are actually... Now
1: can, you don't get that.
0: Yeah, no, never. There yeah. is... so. So back in the day, sort of a persistence, a hard nosed attitude would get you somewhere because you could, because there were roads for you. But everyone realized actually, the the best way to deal with these people is just not to deal with them. So it's
1: my it's my fault because I was so persistent. I'm the reason everyone has shut down.
0: Right. So so now so like I said, it's you've got to play the game. They have they have the little script. They have like, it's almost like um. Uh, you know you know those like the like the text based adventure games?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Where it's like do you turn left at right, the fork right, or go straight right. through the what, woods?
1: What do what do you do next,
0: yeah. They they can only take a very, very, very limited set of actions that are All right, predetermined but I have a question for them. For you, so but so so you gotta you just gotta play with them so that they can get you in the path. <laughs> and if they like you, they're gonna they're gonna actually kinda give you the good the good path as opposed to just being, like, giving you the crap path.
1: Okay, but here's my question. Yes. We're in the time of COVID. Uh, People are working from home. Yes. It's, you know, customer service is, is a job that can be done from home, and even before COVID, a lot of places, you know, did have some of their customer service people working from home. But why is it that now you can't, Like, I needed to talk to a very large company, a very Mm -hmm. large online retailing company. Yeah. uh, Also has stores, but does a lot of their stuff online. And I needed to talk to them about um, an order that, you know, was way overdue and the tracking didn't lead anywhere. And I wanted to find out what was going on. And what what seems to be happening these days is, like, it was a, you know, normally you'd maybe have a five-minute hold. Right. It was a two-hour hold. You know, I mean, they said, yeah, you know, it's going to take two hours to, to get you to a customer service representative. I mean, luckily, you had the option of having them call you back. But, and also when I went on chat with the same thing, they said, you know, we'll get with to you as soon as we can. You know, your wait time is two hours. So why, th- and I, n- I realize we've gone way off topic here, but why is it you'd think that, you know, you got people working at home. Why don't they put more customer service people on? Why is it worse now?
0: Oh, well, I have, I have a bunch of theories about that. Um, theory number one is that you know, corporate inefficiency and corporate control are at the utmost of all these things. And these are lockdown preset systems. There is no... The whole point is that there's no flexibility, that the customer service people are just sort of a cog in a very carefully constructed machine. So there's no ability for them to just... Go home and do the work on their computer. They can't can't just use their personal mm. line. They, ha- they can't. It just it just doesn't They's, it just doesn't so work f- that way.
1: because they've closed down the office, that
0: means yeah, that, very there's very no there's defense. no flexibility okay. to have all these people working from home. That's that's guess number one. Uh, guess number two is it might just be belt tightening, and uh, they've just laid off all the. The this fir- is not considered line.
1: essential to yeah. Your business yeah to it's customer, service.
0: customer like, service like this is like the first place yeah. that's going down probably right um you know uh, but but i i do think it's a lot more the 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 first part which is corporate inefficiency um sorting sending the stuff out to third parties that just do not have any capability to have this be flex or run mm-hmm. on someone else's machine or cuz all very was probably proprietary and it's probably very yeah, cuz right. you know you got to call Security. when you call, yeah. yeah, you call you call in and it's then you true. get to, you like, have to be able the to routing to, to the home. you have to be able bank look up to their order, right? Yeah, all all this all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so there's just yeah, there's just because um yeah. You know back back in the day, people were customer service people were paid more. And so they were higher paid, higher quality. Yeah. N- not higher quality, but uh, more skilled workers that were you know trusted to you know be a Figure valued out, member of the, the team problem. and now and now most customer service is just sort of a mercenary like i'll do an AT&T today and maybe i'll do you know like tyson chicken tomorrow and it, it, you you're just sort of um, a, a gun for hire and so you're because you know they wanted to save money because customer service departments were too expensive, so they cut they they they've slimmed it down, they made it as cheap as possible. Um, but now you know you this, this person like they don't care, they're just talking on the phone, and then you know they're they're trying to do a good job, but like it, the, you know the cust the company is not gonna trust them to like give all the to to, to allow them to log into the network. Okay, I'm going to rein us stuff. back
1: because we really did get off topic. And I apologize <sighs> to our listeners for our rants on customer service. Uh, but let can we... can You know, I, there's a couple things I forgot. First of all, we said that we were going to make announcements at the beginning of our episodes, and then we totally forgot to do that. So we'll have to make some announcements now. But I do want to wrap up the user research thing and say for those of you who are not used to doing... I, I said this yesterday to one of our clients who is not used to doing remote user research and I said just do it go try it out do a pilot just do it don't be hesitant it's gonna work great Uh, don't stop doing user research because yeah you gotta do it remotely so I really encourage people to do it I think it's great I think there's a great future in remote user research we do a lot of it I love user research do it that's my message and then uh, do you have anything to add to that or can we make some announcements
0: no we'll make announcements
1: okay uh announcements so we just released since our last podcast episode i believe we released a new certificate program which is the brain and behavioral science for leaders i think that's true is it i think so so uh we have some new courses, all kinds of new courses. So go check that out at courses.theteamw.com. And we're working right now on uh our next new one that I won't announce yet cuz it's not done. But hopefully it'll be done soon. So on some one episode coming up we'll talk about that. Uh, Guthrie, what other announcements do we have?
0: Uh besides the fact that we have a ton of courses coming um
1: we have, uh, is, it, is it true that our my second edition of 100 Things Every Presenter Needs to Know About People is now available in China? In Chinese?
0: <laughs> that, is, that is true.
1: Right, that's been released just in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh,
1: and my second edition of 100 Things Every Designer Needs to Know About People is on, available in on pre-order. Uh, and should be coming out in about, at the end of June, I think. It'll, be, it'll actually be shipping. Um, so I think that, is that it for announcements? If people want to reach us?
0: Yeah, info at com as always.
1: Thank you everyone for listening. And, uh, you know, stay safe. And Wonderful. Be well.
0: Yeah. You as well. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.